if you're just looking at the episodes as they're listed currently, one of these will not look like the other. Episode two. Almost. Did I guess it right? So close. Double that. Episode four. Math. The show is called How to Make It as an Artist, and we're covering a basketball player. So Cameron, how is basketball an art form? That is a really good question, and I'm not sure that I know the answer. Um, I mean, what is art? That's okay. No, this is interesting. If you were to invent a sport, I don't know if you'd be like a sportsman or an artist. If you were to invent the game of basketball, I feel like that that's kind of artistic, you know, mm-hmm. to be an inventor. Like there's that level of science and art to almost everything that involves yeah. creation. But for Michael Jordan to master the sport, he didn't come up with it. He didn't invent the wheel, but he mastered it. Mm-hmm. That's an art too. I, I think there's something about like, I was thinking the other day about if you were a public speaker, you know, is that art? I'm not so sure. But if you could get large crowds of people to give you their attention for a long period of time, I think you've crossed the line into being somewhat of an artist like the act itself is not an art but doing it in a way that instills inspiration in others and rises you to a level at which people then begin to look up to you for it yeah and i could be wrong about this but maybe artists think different you know maybe they have a different perspective than non-artists and michael jordan definitely has a different perspective than non Michael Jordans. So let's get into this because there's so much to talk about. And uh, I I just side note, I'm very happy that you enjoyed this, that you watched the last (laughs) dance documentary. So good. You are a fan. I still had to rep the Spurs. You're wearing a great (laughs) t-shirt. You're a fan of the sport. I have not historically been. And I'm a fan now. Problem is I probably won't be watching every game you know, in the the upcoming seasons. It's just so fun to look back and look at somebody that was the best at what they do. That was so good at what they do. And you mentioned something when that was going on where you said, I love basketball now, but the main reason why is because of Michael Jordan and he's not (laughs) playing anymore. And so I'm not really probably going to tune in. And I said, that's one of the reasons why people are constantly on the look for as soon as Michael Jordan was finished, as soon as he retired, People are like, who's the next Michael Jordan? Who can we crown? Because people are constantly looking for the next bigger and best. And there's not going to be another Michael Jordan. There's not. There there may come people who are able to make a claim to being the best or trying to dethrone him or whatever it may be. But for who he was and still is, yeah, it, there's not going to be the same person that affected the world on the scale that he did. Well, and even much more in my realm of music, if you were to say there's going to be someone that's a lot like Coldplay or U2 or Mumford and Sons or Radiohead, Mm -hmm. even if this new artist has the same genre or the same style or the same potential, they didn't write the songs that those other bands wrote. In Mm -hmm. basketball, you could have somebody with the same potential, similar talents, but they didn't do the things that this legend did Mm -hmm. and they didn't make the history that this legend did. There's no way that there would ever be another Michael Jordan. Maybe we'll get to talk a little bit about that getting into this, but first things first to be Michael Jordan, 
something that I think is implementable is mindset. You have to be a showman. And to be a showman, you can't be this introverted, quiet guy or girl. If you have in your mind that you'd like to, you know, hide under a hoodie or hide beneath your hat or not have to be a showman, I would just scratch Michael Jordan off the list of people that you'd like to be like. Yeah. Well, that's another piece where even not to just like go the opposite direction, but even there are even introverts who are able to really own being an introvert in a really interesting way that turns them into a showman. Like you don't have to be like an overly bubbly personality to be someone that people are drawn towards. That's fair. But in the realm of Michael Jordan, yeah, the the one of the things that I think about is famous people are famous people for a reason. Almost to the same level of respect and awe that you see when he's actually playing the game, you see a same you feel that same kind of on like gravitas. I don't think I pronounced that word right. Uh, when he's just walking and there are mobs just swarming him or when he's standing there talking in the image of the 30 microphones all inches from his face. Microphones coming from behind him over his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. And who needs personal space, right? You begin to wonder like, how does that per? how is it that that person who at the time was easily, I would think, the most famous person in the world. Just no matter where he steps into, no matter where he goes, he when he steps into a building, all eyes immediately go towards Michael. Right. I think it started from a young age. I mean, we're, we're having a conversation about how to be the best, but he wasn't always the best. He had to yeah. shape himself into what he was. It was a decision that you can or won't make it's not it's not something that you just are Mm -hmm. like you just are the best there's loads of people with great intuition Mm -hmm. and there's some people that that really maybe have no chance and i don't know what to speak on that but if you have good intuition you have some talent to be able to choose to live a life where you stress yourself out like you work harder than anyone else around you. You're not looking left and right at the people around you and and basing your hard work off of them. <laughs> if you want to be the best, you are only competing with yourself and you have to always be better than yourself. That is a constant drive of hard work and I think that would be really stressful. <laughs> yeah. That that's a really important point that I don't think it's so respectable. I don't think it gets brought up often is just our natural propensity to justify the work that we do or don't put in based on the the amount of work that the people around us are putting in. Mm -hmm. And so if the people around us are working and really driving themselves, that's going to oftentimes, at least for me, make me feel like I need to get up and get going. But, you know, obviously if there, if everybody around you kind of is failing to live up to the standard that, you think you should be, it's going to be a lot easier to justify coming down to that level in terms of hard work and 
being the person that you want to be. Right. Again, it's like Kanye West saying, why am I going to listen to these people, these businessmen that aren't doing what I'm doing, that aren't probably even able to do what I do. Mm -hmm. And they're telling me what to do. And I'm like, I'm not going to listen to you. (laughs) You're not me for a reason. Right. I'm doing what I'm doing because nobody else is doing that. And I want to, um, you know, he's on his own road and he's driving down it. I have a quote here where Michael Jordan told Roy Williams, I want to be the best player to ever play here. And Roy responded, well, then you've got to work harder here than you did in high school. Yeah. This was right after, you know, that was in college, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love this. Uh, and that that's part of the classic story of like, I love that he got cut from his high school team. Well, Michael Jordan said, I worked as hard as everybody else yeah. in high school. And then Roy was like, excuse me, I thought you just told me you want to be the best player to ever play here. And so Michael Jordan said, I'm going to show you nobody will ever work as hard as I work. Mm-hmm. It's this moment where, you know, you're a naive kid and you're like, I want to be the best. And you kind of lean on this idea that if other people are working hard, I'm going to match them. And hoping that like any level of talent that you have is what makes you rise above. There's probably no chance that whoever Roy Williams is and in his life that he has lived up to the, the advice he just gave. Yeah, because maybe he didn't want to. Right. Or maybe he just didn't have it in him. I think it's a path that 99.9% of people don't want to take. There's a reason why there's only one Michael Jordan. It's amazing. Yeah. But but that moment was especially cool for me to see that he wasn't just born. I am going to work harder than everybody else. He still had, he still came to a point where he had to learn that. You can see the moments, the stepping stones in his life where he learned different things. That yeah, really those watershed moments that, in his life. that really were turning points of shaping who he was and the person that was going to lead, lead him to be who he wound up becoming. Right. And he, I mean, he was impressive even when he got in, like he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, he didn't do other drugs. He didn't party like other players partied. NBA in the 80s was wild. Not as wild as the 70s, but still. Yeah, still hearing him talk place. about that is like, <laughs> how is that even professional sports? Yeah, just going into hotel rooms and filled with every single imaginable vice you can think of. And I want to be clear, we're talking about things that are implementable, things that you can do to help yourself in your art. That is a huge one. Yeah. Like, you're going to see a lot of people drinking, smoking, partying. Think about the hours spent doing things that potentially even set you back mentally. Yeah. It's just like you mentioned in the Ed Sheeran episode that it's like a faucet that when you when you turn it on, a lot of junk has to get out of it. And then when the junk gets out, water starts flowing. And once it's flowing, it keeps flowing. It's like you get into a groove with your art. You get into a groove with what you're good at. With basketball, with Michael Jordan, I think he got into a groove. He was doing really good. You got you got to see him break the groove and actually have some trouble getting back into the role of things for mm-hmm. a little while. Granted, because he's incredible, it didn't take him too long. <laughs> but that's an important thing, you know, to keep your artistic flow flowing. Keep that flow flowing. Exactly. And I think when you're drinking and smoking and partying and doing all these other stuff. And maybe I'm the minority here, but I think that 
that doesn't actually help you from a professional standpoint of being able to own up to being an excellent anything, whatever it is you're trying to be. Yeah. And even if you don't have a problem with doing those things, the the level to which they they cost you in other areas, whether it's financially or just straight up time wise, um, it that's for me is enough as well. Aside from everything else, it's it just it, on most fronts it seems like a lose lose. Right, but I do want to point out if you want to be an excellent partier, then by all means party. You know, party yeah, hard. Do it. <laughs> But this isn't about being an excellent partier. This is about how to make it as an artist. This is about how to be Michael Jordan. When in that season, when he was not specific season, but like season of his life, okay. um, I think it's like later eighties, um, when he's like more the bottom of the totem pole, like a rookie first couple of years, building up his career. I mean, honestly, he wasn't really the role model yet, but he totally was living a role model worthy life. Um, I think you know just being a stand-up guy and working really hard and being really, really focused. Um, in that stage of his career, you know, he tried to speak with his ability to play because he had no voice. Mm-hmm. You know, when you don't have anyone else's respect yet. You have and to earn it from a lot of people. I think a lot of people, they just love to talk. I mean, look at us. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to be able to show how good you are, that's that's somewhat rare. Yeah. When we sit in here and we practice for hours and hours, you know, we could be making videos online saying, you know, look at us, we're practicing, and we spend an hour or two making those videos, and we don't actually get any practice in. Yeah. And there's something so nice about the idea that if you really practice enough, maybe you spend less time doing other things. Because I know we suffer from this, like, not always putting out enough social media content or documenting things enough. But once we get practiced, you know, and we're going to go out and play live and people genuinely act like we just blew their socks off with our live show. It just makes me think we are headed in the right direction. We did something right. And it was just hours of saying no to all the other things, whether it be good or bad things. Mm -hmm. Um, just to even practice sim- and hone our skills. Even simple distractions like the joys of a video game. <laughs> the joys of a... Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a big one. That's a big one for a lot of people. Shows. Escapism. In escapism. General. Yeah. Got to stay away from those iPhone games, kids. So I think it's a really important thing. Like talking to you about this is something I've, I've really wanted to bring up is... Um, kind of in being Michael Jordan. It you talk a lot about being the best, but that's pretty singularly focused on like just on him. I think a big one is have a partner, like a partner in crime, whether it be a partner in business, partner in art, partner in whatever. Have a Scotty Pippen. Scotty Pippen. Yeah. And a lot of people listening to this might not know who Scotty Pippen is. They might not have heard or watched the Last Dance. Right. Uh, Tanner, who is Scottie Pippen? So first off, The Last Dance is a documentary that he and I both watched about Michael Jordan's time in the NBA and just a little bit before. 
and f- amazing documentary. Like I said at the beginning, Cameron wasn't a huge NBA fan before. And Tanner probably didn't need the documentary because he's like an NBA scholar. But it, but it's fantastic, and I would recommend that documentary to just about anybody. But Scottie Pippen was essentially Michael Jordan's only teammate that stayed with him throughout all six championships that he and the Bulls won over the time over his time uh, during the '90s. And Scottie Pippen, during the time that they were winning championships was widely considered to be one of the best players in the league, but consistently played the B to Michael Jordan's A, uh, the number two to Michael Jordan's number one, in a way that uh, filled all... Not that everyone has... There ha- always has to be a one and a two, but it's a matter of everybody knowing the exact roles and strengths that they play under. And so in terms of the basketball partnership that they had. Uh, Scottie Pippen was, he, he wasn't going to go out there and try to score 30 points a night. That was essentially one of Michael Jordan's duties. But Scottie Pippen was pretty much widely regarded and still is today as one of the best defenders of all time, uh, as well as being a good facilitator and passing the ball. And so, and from my perspective, just seems to be a really cool dude. Really, really fun guy. Seems like everybody who hangs out with him really enjoys him. So, right. Can you be as big as Michael Jordan was without people like Scottie Pippen right next to you? I don't know if that's possible. Well, that's a, that's partially what Michael Jordan eventually had to come to terms with in order to win a championship because he, he went, I think a solid seven or eight years in the league where people were widely regarding him as like one of the best players in the league, but he hadn't won a championship yet. And a lot of it was because he was trying to take it all onto himself and didn't really trust his teammates. And you got to see that moment too, when he started to trust them and it was a yeah. revolutionary thing for his career. Yeah. And that was in large part, uh, came from the help of his coach, Phil Jackson, who started implementing a style that they could play as a team that would facilitate Michael's ability, but also be able to involve the rest of the team. And eventually Michael Jordan began to see that he wasn't going to win if he didn't have the teammates that knew how to fit into their roles. And so that's kind of a piece of what made the huge the huge drive that we've talked about Michael Jordan having of right. the incredible work ethic the person to say i'm going to be the best is also someone who actually really wants to be the best is going to bring others along with them not that he's going to make other people the best mm, that's but a like good point. like we've talked about before with people raising you up or bringing you down your your environment your surroundings having a transcendent character like michael jordan who says i'm going to be the best and who has this almost psychopathic drive of competitiveness where everything's a competition everything is about if he can bet on it or whatever it may be and if he can win uh, he like demanded that same level of commitment 
from pretty much everybody else and not everybody else was able to give it to him. And so he, you kind of see where he challenges a lot of his teammates. Well, he was, he was very uplifting. Um, he was a guy that shared a lot of his secrets, shared a lot of his experience rather than the image of being the best being that you shut other people down, you push other people down, you, you bulldoze through people and shove them out of the way because only you're important. That's really not the image for how to do the level of, of what he did, the level of greatness, the level of being the best. Mm -hmm. And it's an important distinction because he didn't bulldoze people in terms of pushing them out of the way and shoving them down saying, I am the best and I'm the only thing that matters. But he, he did essentially challenge and uh, for some people seemed like he kind of maybe went too far in testing them in order to make sure that they were able to measure up to what needed to be done in terms of being the best team to to do their ultimate goal of winning the championship. And that's the real care behind it. I mean, I've met people like that that I don't necessarily relate with, that they can make a room a little bit tense mm -hmm. sometimes, but it's because they care so darn much. I try to understand where they're coming from. And the truth is I could probably learn a thing or two from them to care so much that you're willing to get emotional and actually call other people out and say, you should care more. Or, you know, if you're not going to contribute, leave. Yeah. That's the the tenseness in the room that I, again, I could probably learn a thing or two from. I'm always like, hey, let's fill this room with yeah. people. And and uh, that's one reason why I'm not Michael Jordan. And I'm very interested to see <laughs> in what ways I can change that. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I, I tend to be someone who's a lot more kind of just easy to to go with and to to a level neither of us are very disagreeable is how we could put it yeah whereas you could classify michael jordan as incredibly disagreeable not just for sake of being disagreeable but because he knows who he is and what he wants and he knows what he's there for i think that you need to collaborate with people um People that are around you are going to stretch you. They're going to teach you. You do not know everything. You have so much to learn. You will never know everything. But maybe one day you get to know enough and be enough of a pro, have enough experience that you get to teach others. And even that side of life of teaching others is going to just fill you with more expertise. And that's going to teach you. Teaching others is going to teach you. It's. I don't think there's ever a point where you just shut down and you close your doors and you don't interact with anybody else because you're an artist. I, I don't believe in that image mm -hmm. of an artist. And that doesn't really feel like a, a true artist as, as much of a portrayal of, as they would like to put forth of them being an artist. Yeah. And is almost an essential port portion or part of art is what we talked about at the beginning, and that's the sharing of said art. Yeah, yeah. Again, really different than the kind of person that's famous for being mysterious and quiet. Um, I feel like that'd be so much harder to do, um, even in the sense of being a basketball player as, as an artist. 
Michael Jordan making basketball an art. I just don't think you can do that um, with with that image, that image of, of art. Mm-hmm. I don't think it fits. Yeah. I want to talk about how being a figure, being somebody that others can lean on or rely on is really, really difficult. And it's something that he endured for like a decade. Yeah. Be like Mike. That That's just such a crazy campaign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's a quote here that kind of shocks me. And uh, Michael Jordan said, if I could do it all over again, I would never want to be a role model. It's like a game that's stacked against me. There's no way I can win. You know, when you're young and naive, you think, I want to be a role model. I want to be somebody that others look up to. You are way ahead of yourself, and that's typical, and yada, yada. What what does that involve? What does that include? Well, to see the guy that did that, maybe more than most anyone ever does it um, in history, and having to endure that rather than like, you know, I don't know, presidential leaders or people that rule the world. I don't know. There's there's a degree to being Michael Jordan that is even more so like a leader of the people than a lot of political leaders are. Oh, absolutely. What it looks like is not being the number one yet, saying to your coach, Doug Collins in 1986, during his first game as a coach, uh, he says here, Coach, I'm not going to let you lose your first game. Because he was like chewing through his gum to where like, not his gum. He was chewing on his gum so much that it became like a powder, is yeah, what he said in the documentary. just all over his face. It was like all over his face. He's like, clean up your face. Take this water. I'm not going to let you lose your, your first game because it wasn't <laughs> looking good. He goes out. He scores like crazy. He wins the game. And it's like saying to your coach, you know, who I guess in one sense is above you, in another sense He's not above you. You know, you are the leader in this situation. You can step up. I mean, I feel like that's like if you were, I don't know if you're like interning with, you know, a a guy that puts on art galleries or whatever. I don't know how that would work. Maybe he's not selling any art and you're like, you know what? I'm going to go out into the city and I'm going to gather 100, 200 people. And then 200 people come and he sells not all of his stuff, but maybe 20 more paintings. I mean, that guy's going to remember you. You just stepped up and did something he wouldn't even do. And you're just the intern. And you mm-hmm. just kind of went above and beyond your boss. I, I think that says that you have a bright future ahead of you. And the first step towards that future is the next couple things that your boss is going to say to you and the way he's going to treat you. Um just because of the way that you act, you know, in normal everyday life. It's so above and beyond and it's saying you can lean on me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that I see a lot of people, especially our age, uh, oftentimes shy away from where there's this old saying that if you do more than what you get paid for, eventually you're going to get paid more get paid more than what you do. Right. Uh, and not that like that's all the goal that there is, but it kind of displays a little something that if all you ever do is rise to the expectations that other people have of you, you're not really going to 
you're not really going to live up to the highest level that I think you can. Because I, mm-hmm. you know, what people expect of you is what they've already seen, and so if if that's all you ever try to be, then you're you're not gonna like really do what he did, and that's shatter expectations. Nobody, like he he didn't start out as the goat, the greatest of all time. Yeah, no one does. Nobody does. There there are there are people that start out with the people are wondering, oh, could this guy be the next, or does he have the potential for this? But nobody starts out and it's just like that is the greatest of all time. We're looking at him as he's growing up right now. Right. They said in the team, one of the coaches. What was the main coach in the nineties? I should Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson. I should have totally remembered that because I just finished the, the Zen Master. Right. Right. So Phil Jackson said, "We are only." like as good as we are, I'm paraphrasing and butchering. Right. We're only as good as we are right now, today. Like tonight's game, how we perform is who we are as a team. Mm. It's not we won the championship last year, so we're the best. It's tonight, if we suck, we are not a good team. Yeah. It's, well, it's like constant... you're only as good as your next step back. And I, I yeah. see that. I see that. That's with, a really good and helpful realization, yeah, I think. I see that with ourselves, too, with each song that we put out or each live show that we do, where if it's a show that we just aren't, frankly don't do very well, mm-hmm. or if it... We have I, to own up to that. Exactly. I can't just say, oh, well, we had this really good one a little while ago. And, well, that, that doesn't matter. That didn't matter to the people that came and saw or happened to be there and saw and that was another amazing piece of something that michael jordan said that got me thinking where he said and it's just that that mindset he's like if millions of people are going to take three hours out of their day to watch me play basketball right i have an obligation to give them the best that i can give and that's like respecting what you're asking of people. And so musicians, artists, players, anything, any sort of artist that exists, nobody is obligated to enjoy or consume your craft. Well, you know what? He's, he's living more in the moment. He is doing what he wants to do, which is be the best basketball player. It's so much different than being raised in a world where everyone's a YouTuber Mm -hmm. and you look at that and you think, I want to be a YouTuber and you start a YouTube channel and the very first thing on your mind isn't, how do I be good at what I'm doing? Your first thought is, I want a following. And was it Steve Martin, the comedian? He said, the very first question you should ask is, how do I be good at this? Mm. How do I be funny? Uh, it, it fits everywhere. I mean, even as a comedian to say that, how do I be funny? That should be the first thought. It's not how do I get so what's the point of being 100 a people to show up in a room or how do I get 1,000 people to show up in a room? It's how do I be funny? Yeah. With one person, with five people, that's, that's the better focus. With basketball, you know, it's just how do I hit every shot? How do I run these drills? How do I hit a shot when somebody's defending me or when two people are defending me? You you can constantly push that to the limit of what it is. Mm-hmm. 
And I haven't always even been aware of that mindset. That's the funny thing about these helpful, you know, little tidbits is you really aren't aware of them until you hear them for the first time, which sounds redundant and obvious, but it's so true. And it's such a hindrance to just be in a bubble wherever you're raised or, or, you know, whatever neighborhood you're in or part of the country or part of the world, like you're raised differently based on where you're at, based on your family. And you might not be told any of these great little helpful tools that Michael Jordan says, or that these different people say, it's, it's good to tune in, you know, open your ears and be a sponge and just take in all the good information you can find on the internet. Um, to just broaden your awareness because I had never thought with that perspective before. How do I be good at what I'm doing and focusing on that first? Yeah. I think, I think a portion of going back to the quote that you talked about where Michael Jordan said he would, he wouldn't want to be a role model. I think that's different than saying that being a role model is a bad thing. I think he would be fine with doing what he did and as a result becoming a role model. Yeah. But him portraying himself and doing the whole ad campaign of you know be like Mike, that whole thing that where he was getting at was less... Uh, I, like I'm worthy of being imitated and more of just, you know, when you present yourself, when your entire persona and identity is somebody who is a role model worth emulating the minute that something comes along that disrupts that a little bit, it's like you've shaken the foundation upon which your identity was laid. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that like that is a value. It's a valuable thing to be able to, be excellent at what you do and essentially as he eventually got to do allow your excellence to be the thing that speaks to others willingness to look up to you yeah i think it's about time for a segment a new segment called uh whoa i'm human love it (laughs) yeah yeah because apparently everybody is human (laughs) right what sorts of vices did Michael Jordan have that might have stood in the way of doing what he did, making it to where he made it? What's interesting is that... Oh, that could equally stand in any of our way, you right. know, trying to make it. Right. What's interesting is that people kind of tried to portray... That That kind of goes into what we were just talking about with when you present yourself as this persona of somebody who's willing of to be a role model and worthy of that uh, as pe- people eventually when you're at the top will look for anything that can knock you off of the top it, it's this weird yeah. thing that we do in society where we build these figures up and then tear them down and we kind of love to see that rise and fall it feels like and so some of the vices that people tried to get him on in the past were things like gambling and uh, over competitiveness and to the point of being 
dri- I'm a driving. professional basketball player. What's my vice? I'm too competitive. Yeah, yeah. I just want to <laughs> like, win too gosh like darn much. <laughs> my my goal is to win. Oh, too bad. <laughs> yeah, and the gambling thing obviously seemed like a like a joke. Yeah, it didn't seem like a problem. Yeah, I mean he definitely was competitive to a level that pretty much almost nobody on earth is or was but it could be because like he was rolling in it and yeah like he was making so much and money he, and he, he would do things world. like he, he, he would, did well the the documentary even showed he would bet with his security guards yeah of you know i'll bet i can get that coin closer if i throw it closer to the door than you can on the floor and they they wouldn't even bet money he just loved competition so much yeah and everybody had fun with it yeah um it I don't know that I noticed if he had any vices at all, really. Like any main vices like other celebrities or role models have had. Um, He's shockingly, he he kind of fits the whole be like Mike thing. It was impressive. Granted, I have no idea what his life looks like post-1998. Right. Um, I guess most people don't. Right. But and I mean, like, just just the level of him being human, like he the the documentary didn't go into it at all. But you know, why why would it? Talking about you know his ex wife or really much much about his kids or anything like that. Not that there's anything egregious there, but just you know, he he is still he, like he's this almost godlike form in culture and society. And <laughs> that first moment when he like you know, messed up somewhere in the NBA and they were like, he's human. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the announcer said. (laughs) (laughs) Because that, that was that level of him being almost like Superman or for anime fans, all night. (laughs) Right. Of it's just always, he's going to pull through. And I could rant about the ties between him and all might. Yeah. But I won't, (laughs) but I could save people from that. (laughs) I mean, what do you think, um, it's a big question. What do you think was a was a better Michael Jordan, or say it another way, which what what do you call it? The three, three Pete. Which three Pete do you think was better? Okay. The first one or the second one? So for people who don't know the history of it, Michael Jordan's team, the Chicago Bulls, while he was with them, won six championships total, and they did it in pairs of triplets i guess you would say and so they won a three-peat three in a row in 91 92 and 93 and then they won another repeat in 96 97 98 and that's because michael jordan essentially was tired after the first three-peat of being this huge larger than life figure of people dissecting every single movement that he made and honestly like that exhaustion of you know, I think that's another thing the documentary kind of portrayed really well was he literally couldn't go anywhere. Like some of his closest friends were the security guards because it was their job to be around him and just be normal with him and treat him like a human being. Right. Whereas if he went anywhere else, he he was like, "That's Michael Jordan. You don't you don't treat that him like a normal person, <laughs> almost." <laughs> and so a lot of that exhaustion led to him retiring for a year and a half going and playing baseball and then coming back 
after, at the end of all that and saying I'm with I'm, a baseball bod. Yeah, with a baseball bod. Not a basketball having, bod. having to completely rework his body to be stronger on the lower half with the legs and all that sort of stuff and then coming back getting back into basketball shape all that sort of stuff so coming back from retirement from playing baseball and becoming doing, the greatest team again and doing it all over and doing again. the second three-peat i think was was a lot more impressive he wasn't his peak as an athlete just a pure uh physical specimen is would be the first three P I think, but in terms of, you know, overall all around person, he's somebody who understood, um, you know, that there's a sports guy, his name's Bill Simmons. He talks about something that another basketball player from the eighties named Isaiah Thomas called the, the secret. I think it was Isaiah Thomas. And the secret is essentially just understanding how to win. And that, that's what a secret. And, it's basically being a team player, but being the best player as well as a team player. And that's essentially when he really began to understand that as well as being able to, like Jordan even talked about it in the documentary. He, he said out of all the championship runs, the 98 season, their last championship was his favorite because it was when he learned how to incorporate his athleticism into his understanding for his craft. So I have to be the best musician, but I also have to be the best at playing with other musicians. That could be a part of it. Or not even just playing with the other musicians, working with producers, working with uh, fans, interacting with fans, you know, people who want a following. They'll go and post and then people will comment or send them a message and they won't give them the time of day. And it's like, who are you? to not respond to the one person that wants to talk to you and be a fan of yours. Right. Here's another one. I have to be the best at painting with red, but I also need to be good at painting with other colors. You know, that's debatable because there are a lot of shades that you could work with. That doesn't fit as well. You could be the red painter. All right. That could but, be my brand. But yeah, I would say the second 3P is Michael Jordan's best Best run. Okay. Well, I probably don't know anything, but I was thinking the first one was pretty cool just because it seemed that he was physically like just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. In the first one. But you're right. The mental state mattered a lot in the second one, which was very impressive that he managed to play with his mind and his body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Man, are we able to be Michael Jordan? Probably not. Probably not. Like we said, there won't be another Michael Jordan. But even Michael Jordan got to a point where it was like, man, can I keep being Michael Jordan? Yeah. And uh, his whole thing was just, you got to try, mm-hmm. you know? I think that's, I think that's the, the real takeaway, no matter what it is that you're doing that's your art, whether it be, you know, social speaking, public speaking. Social speaking. Yeah. I social speaking. speak all the time. Right, right. So do I. So yeah, Michael Jordan's very impressive. And uh, there's a lot to learn from him. Yeah. He is a specimen. He's, he is worthy of being looked up to and us drawing inspiration from him. You know, find the thing that you want to be more than anything else and drive after that. Like, com- commit to diving yeah. into your craft. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Is, that, uh, is that Michael Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 